Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Summer Interrupt Podcast. We're here for a Monday rundown. Tom, we have a busy sleep today, so how are you? What's going on, man? How you doing? Everything's good, brother. How about yourself? Doing all right. Holding up. It's hot out. It's uh, it's fucking really hot out, man. Uh, 95 today where, where we are, so... Um, yeah, it probably looks like it's going to be another couple more days of that, but we'll take it. Yeah, man. Um, better than the cold, I guess, in my opinion. I'll always take the heat, man. I mean, even even when it's fucking horrible out, like, I'll always take the heat over the freezing cold. I can't do the cold. Absolutely, absolutely. I know everybody says you can just put on more layers, but fuck off. They invented air conditioning, so enjoy it. Absolutely, man. The central air has been clutch. From yep. me so far this summer, I'm sure you're feeling the same way. So yeah, absolutely. I'm we here. got a lot to get to, and I guess we might as well start with the story of the day. Obviously, we're going to talk Jamal Adams, we're going to talk Tom Thibodeau, we're going to do all that good stuff. You got some golf to break down, but the story of the day is the two postponed games in Major League Baseball due to the Marlins coronavirus outbreak. Thirteen members of the team. Um, in addition to coaches and traveling party staff members have tested positive for the virus since yesterday morning and postponed their game. What was supposed to be their home opener against Baltimore and the Phillies game against the Yankees, which was supposed to be in Philly. Obviously Philly played the Marlins this weekend. When the news first came down, man, what were your thoughts? Well, I texted you right when I saw it and I said it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, I was like, it felt that way immediately, right? But then you have to start being a little rational and understanding that we just got to take a deep breath. And Manfred, owners, players, when they decided that they were going to try to go for this thing, all knew that this was a possibility. Yeah, they definitely did. Uh, losing 13 players, that's a good chunk of the, the 60 man right there. Um, hopefully they can they can recover soon i don't know it might have to be a bending of the rules i don't know what their quarantine status is i believe it's two negative tests consecutively and you can return to action uh i know the nba makes you do a two-week quarantine i don't know about baseball but we're gonna have to see what the deal is um the marlins i i don't know what was going on there i don't know what happened if they screwed up something and and let somebody in that they shouldn't have but Hey, baseball is going to keep going. I'm watching the Mets and the Red Sox in the background right now. Um, so it's still going on. I, I'm happy to have it back. I will tell you that. Yeah, we'll talk games from this weekend and, and everything, too, because last time we talked, we did our preview uh, five days ago. So kind of to me was what I had to look into was the Marlins had four players test positive on Friday. And they didn't play they were removed from the team and they carried on their series in philadelphia on saturday and then a couple more players tested positive prior to the game on sunday which means that their tests were taken neither friday night or saturday morning and the marlins made the decision uh, to play the game and mm. that right off the bat is a problem and the reason being sir is as you know baseball players athletes they're used to playing through extreme amounts of pain. Baseball players are used to playing through weather delays. These are professional athletes. They're used to playing, right? Their reaction always is to play. 
you can't put the decision to play this game in the hands of a, of a manager and players who are just finally getting their feet wet in the 60-game sprint. You can't fucking do it. Major League Baseball had to come in and say, no, this game cannot be played. Now, because once... by not canceling that game, you lost two games today. And the other thing that I think is is when you have four players test positive, I think the entire team should be tested. Well, they were. It was just the results didn't come back in time. And then when they did come back on Sunday, they just said, "Well, we're we're just going to still go for it." Now you gotta you gotta pull the plug there. I mean, four players. Obviously, these guys are around each other. Chances are, obviously, it did happen that you're going to see some more positive tests when they come back. The scary thing is, is you're doing you're you're in a clubhouse, you're in the same hotel, you're on the same buses, and you're in the same dugout, and obviously all of that is going to spread like crazy. So the decision, like you said, you got to pull the plug right there. And I think if baseball had a mulligan, they would have somebody come in and say, "No, you can't play this game." And listen, this is going to happen more times this year. We're only in the infancy of this process, but hopefully MLB learned from it. Manfred said tonight that there have been no talks to pause the season. I don't think there should be. You really can't. Baseball is not like other sports where you can just get back into it two weeks later. There's a reason you have a 60-player pool. Sucks for the Marlins. Sucks for the Phillies if they end up having an outbreak too. But this is what it's going to be for every team in the major leagues this year. Unacceptable, in my opinion, from baseball and from the Marlins, though. Truly, if you have four players, you should have pulled the plug. And this is just classic MLB. Again, with egg on its face, the MLB is starting to turn into the NFL. Every decision that should be made the right way is made the wrong way, and it's really disappointing for me because at least with the NFL, you can say people are going to watch. It's the best sport that we have, the most watched sport. Whatever your opinion is, by far the most watched sport. MLB, on the other hand, they're making all the wrong decisions, and they're turning around and – they don't have the fanfare that the NFL does. They don't, but they've had it this weekend because they're the first sport back playing meaningful games. And it sucks because, I don't know about you, I thought the weekend of games was fucking awesome. It was a lot of fun, but that's not my point here. My point is the NFL can screw up because people are still going to watch. If the MLB screws up again and they have to cancel the season or whatever because of missteps like this, because they're poorly handled, not well planned for, and Rob Manfred's doing a terrible job, then we're going to lose baseball, and who knows if it ever comes back. That's my point. Don't get me wrong. I was very excited to be watching baseball, to have my fantasy team up and running again, to have gambling again, all of that good stuff. I love baseball, trust me, but I'm just scared for it. I'm scared for it too, and your point's well taken. I was just simply saying what makes this so bad is it was right on the heels of a great first weekend when all the national attention was on it. So Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start. You're, you're about a week and a half before the NBA bubble starts up for realsies again. I don't know what the deal is with the NFL. We're going to have to see, and all you're really competing with is golf. Well, the it, NFL it was great. Yeah, it was great. And the NFL was going to be taking a shit ton of notes from MLB because they have even more people in their traveling party than on their rosters than the MLB than MLB teams do. So they're taking notes. They're looking at what's going on. They're looking at the travel. They're looking at how players are interacting. I mean, I can tell you this. I didn't see a lot of, you know, social distancing going on on the field or in the dugouts. There's a lot of high fives, lots of hugs. We saw the A's celebrate like any other walk-off Grand Slam on Friday night. Uh, they're going to have to button that shit up. 
Yeah, I agree with you. A little weird to see the A's walk off Grand Slam. I feel like that would have been a lot bigger of a deal if there was fans in the stands. Kind of weird to see Olsen hit that bomb and then nothing really come of it. But, hey, they won. It was great to see. Fun celebration. But they need to figure it out because if not, then we're going to see a lot more than just the Marlins getting in trouble. And Manfred released a uh, statement today basically saying that if a team is completely uncompetitive or multiple teams, that's the only way they're going to stop it. Well, I could definitely see that happening because – this virus spreads like wildfire. That's the only answers we really have for it is that this thing is crazy. That's it. This, yeah, no, absolutely, man. This is crazy. Uh, and we are not, I mean, everybody needs to just remember, like, at least I kept it in the back of my mind, and I know you and I are going to see eye to eye on this. I was watching the games Thursday. Obviously, opening night was great, even with the rain-shortened win for the Yanks and then into the Dodgers-Giants. We watched Saturday and Sunday. Sunday felt like a real fun, like, oh, right, this is what it's like to sweat during a ninth inning again. And But in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, we are playing baseball in the middle of a pandemic. That's a really fucking hard thing to do. Absolutely, man. It, it is very hard. Um, but I don't think that that gives the MLB an excuse to make a faux pas like they did with the Marlins. I hope that it stays where it is. These postponed games will help it out, and they can learn from it. Totally agree. Um, gut feeling, you, the Yankees and Phillies play uh, tomorrow night. Uh, that'll be Tuesday night. Gut feeling is no. I mean, I just think that one day doesn't do much and that they need to get some tests in there. They need to really clean the place up and get all whatever they have to out of there. I don't know when the Marlins are going to play again. But, you know, I, w- I also wouldn't be surprised the other way because they're playing 60 games in – 67 days and they've already lost one of those they're gonna have to make that up so they're probably gonna have a double header somewhere um so i will be interested to see but me i say no yeah it's gonna be interesting because to your point uh right before we got on the phone here uh the reports were that the phillies were waiting tests they took them this morning they went to a quick lab and they're being you know results are going to be back either by the time we get off this podcast tonight or early tomorrow morning and that's going to tell whether they play the game. The Yankees feel pretty comfortable with having the clubhouse and dugout, and dugout totally fumigated and sterilized and taken care of. Your, your main concern is the opponent you're playing and whom you're coming in contact with, yep. which is the players on the Philadelphia Phillies. But the other thing is is they got these quick bullshit lab tests, whatever. Why can't we do that all the time with Miami? Because then this problem would have been solved earlier. I think that that's going to now be the protocols in place. I, I think that now you can't. You can't risk having these 24 to 48 hour test results because by the time you get it back, they really don't matter. You've been in contact with however many players yep. on your team and on the other. So and I know you don't really want to shit on the MLB. I can I can kind of get a sense that you, you don't want to blame them, but honestly, no, dude, I called them out, out to start this. I they called should, them out to start this. This shit should have been figured out in the first place, and it's unacceptable. And we're gonna lose baseball if they keep fucking up like this. And I, I need a new commissioner, honestly. I, I think Manfred's a joke. I don't even think he likes baseball. He was involved in basketball before he got elected as the, uh, as the commissioner. I'd rather have a guy that actually likes baseball. Well, he's a labor union. He's a labor lawyer. So, like, that's his background. To your point, he's not really a baseball guy. Well, he ain't nobody, doing too great with that either. No, well, nobody likes to hear. I think the biggest problem is, is you know, all we heard about and why these negotiations weren't going all that well where there was a lot of health and safety protocol problems and issues that the players' union had. Well, they seem to agree to a lot of them, and so far they haven't really worked out. David Price came out today and tweeted and said, this is part of the reason why I opted not to play this year. 
and it's probably a sentiment. We saw a couple other players. There's a reliever on the Colorado Rockies that said, nope, I'm out after seeing this news. Dave Martinez, the, the uh, manager of the Nationals, was basically like crying during his press conference today talking about how emotional he was. Remember, he has a heart condition. This is a huge deal, and I'm not afraid to call it baseball, dude. That's how I started this thing. It was basically just now you know because it's a difference between predicting how it might look and it's a, between now having seen it, right? Yeah, I agree with that, but at the same time, they had plenty of time to plan for this, and it should have been. They have to be better, and they should have been better. But the past is the past, and they can just learn from it from here. Hopefully, they don't have any more huge breakouts like this. Thirteen guys plus plus whoever else is on the staff, non-players with COVID. That's a bad, bad, bad sign. Let's hope that this is the worst one that we could have. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Just classic that it's right after a great weekend, like you said. Absolutely, and and to put a bow on this before we get into what happened on the field this weekend, to your point about the Marlins, who knows when they'll play again, they were actually supposed to play their home opener tonight in Miami. The Orioles were already in Miami, and the Marlins were still in Philly. So the, so the Orioles flew back up to Baltimore, and it looks like the Marlins, uh, they're, they're going to, because they had two games scheduled in Miami for tonight and tomorrow, and then two in Baltimore. So it looks like they're just going to play three games in Baltimore starting tomorrow night. If, you know, they get everybody quarantined and they were able to ship everybody from their taxi squad up to represent a team. Unbelievable, man. Well, what can you do? You got to go, you got to go with what you have from here. Hopefully they learn from it. Let's talk some, uh, before we talk MLB on the field, let's talk some Jets. I'm happy with the trade. Let's get into the Jets right now then. Uh, I was I texted you afterwards. You were very giddy. To get the haul you got for Jamal Adams, wow. Great job by Douglas. you got to be feeling good. Great move by the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I believe you said it on this pod earlier, probably the last time we spoke about Jamal Adams, is that I mean, a safety is a very sexy player to have, and don't get me wrong, I think Jamal Adams is one of, probably a top three defensive player, top ten player in the NFL. But when you're the Jets and you're a rebuilding franchise and you're trying to barely scrape into the playoffs and build a team, a safety is not a cornerstone player. He's more of a guy to get you over the top. So I'm happy that they got some draft capital in return for him instead of keeping him an unhappy player around, giving him a contract, and then him trying to force his way out. So I'm definitely happy with it. An unhappy great player who you cannot pay that kind of money to because of the position he plays and a fourth-round pick for two firsts, 2021 and 2022, and a 2021 third. In addition to, you're getting a journeyman safety here, Bradley. uh, What's his name here? McDougal, Bradley McDougal. So, hey, listen, it's another player you can have on your roster. And they still have a very good safety on this team in Marcus May. So I think that you're not going to see too much – too much loss in Jamal Adams because this team isn't good enough for Jamal Adams to make the impact he needs to make. That just goes to show his greatness that he did make an impact on this team, but they got way bigger fish to fry than a strong safety position. You know what's wild to me, man? I was thinking about this from the Seahawks' perspective because obviously the Jets won this trade going away. And the reason is is Jamal Adams is not the kind of safety that makes that impact difference because he's not a ball hawk. You know, he's basically a linebacker playing safety. So, you know, you think of those transcendent safeties that immediately make you better, right? Like an Earl Thomas, like a Tyron Matthew, like a Ed Reed, a Troy Palomalu. Those guys not only hit hard, but they were ball hawks. You're good. 
you're going to change a game with an interception. Jamal Adams does not do that. No. So the Seahawks really had to think that he's just going to be, you know, that hard-hitting, boom kind of safety and make all the plays that he made with the Jets. But I don't know. This was a tough move for me to understand from the Seahawks' perspective. I think uh, – I think – What's his face? Pat, um, God damn it, why is his name slipping my head? Pete Carroll, excuse me, saw Cam Chancellor and just wanted to go get him. Yeah, uh, they're they're not as close to a Super Bowl, though, in my opinion. No, which is why this and they're more of an offensive team now. That's Russell's team. They are. It is Russell's team. And they're it, losing a, t- a pass rusher in Jadavion Clowney, who's clearly not returning to them, might go to the Jets. I was just going to say, if you turn Jamal Adams into two firsts, a third, and Jadavion Clowney, that's a that's right up there with the DeAndre Hopkins acquisition by uh, by Arizona for the move of the offseason. Or maybe with San Francisco and Trent Williams too and we having to deal a third and a fifth. Yeah, absolutely, man. I am I am happy all around with this trade. Sad to see Adams go. Glad I didn't waste the money on his jersey. I'm only buying Jets quarterbacks from now on just because of the turnover with the league. But I am really happy with this haul. I think it was a great move by the GM. I'm I'm really happy with what I'm seeing. Me too, man. But not just as a as a fan of the NFL. I mean, you see the Jets usually just getting decimated and killed by these kind of trades. And I wouldn't have been sad to see him go because what this motherfucker was just bashing this team, saying Adam Gase isn't a leader, picking out players on his team, calling out his quarterback left and right. And on you can't have media. that. Uh, I mean, that's the equivalent of a diva wide receiver. I mean, when your team's not great, the wide receivers don't matter. When your team's not great, the safeties don't matter. Get them out of there and get as much as you can for them. And I think the Jets, I I think the Seahawks absolutely overpaid. The Seahawks did overpay. Uh, He's going to make it. Obviously, he's going to make plays. He's going to be a great player. Still a great player. Probably a future Hall of Famer if he keeps it up. But, hey, he would have been a future Hall of Famer on a 5-11 team or however many games they play this year. Totally agree. I mean, he's a better version of Landon Collins, but they're stylistically they're the same kind of safety, right? Again, they're not good in coverage. They don't they don't get interceptions. They're just basically linebackers playing safety. And if you're a great team, you want a player like that. But if you're not a great team, you know he's not going to make he's not going to show up as a difference maker in the win and loss column. I thought so Dallas missed out, missed out on an opportunity here. Not that I'm upset about it because I really think he would have made an impact on that team. I think so, too, and put San Francisco in that mix, too. If they find a way to get him, I mean, you could basically put the NFC on ice right there. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm glad Dallas didn't get him because I think that would have put him over the top. He he would have been the kind of difference maker for them, right? Because their defense is real close. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Sorry, I had my back turned because it looks like the Mets may have just gotten a win. Hey, well, after the 14-1 to drubbing they took last night at the hand of the Braves, you know, they got some Red Sox pitching that sucks up in Fenway. So good for them. Yeah, Pete Alonso went yard today with a giant home run, 116 miles an hour off the bat. So that's on my fantasy team. I'll cash that in. Hey, absolutely. When we talk uh, what we saw this weekend, you know, we're going to have to talk about Austin Riley shots and a couple of Stanton bombs too. Um so as we head into the uh, into training camps, the Jets are better today and they're better positioned going forward for their future. The Seahawks probably looked at the first round of picks and said, "Hey, listen, we're never in a position to draft a great and first they never draft anyway. a good one anyways." And, and I was just gonna say, they seem to waste every one they draft. So who fucking cares? Go get Jamal Adams. Absolutely, I, I think it's a win-win. Jets just got an absolute haul, and I am giddy about it, as you said earlier. 
Another New York sports team that I'm a fan of that you're not. Um, the Knicks hire Tom Thibodeau. First and last time we'll probably be talking about the Knicks because they are not in the bubble. I'm happy with this with this um, acquisition, though, and this hire just because I think Tom Thibodeau can be an adult in the room. I know he has a massive history of grinding his players into the ground, but the Knicks are young, and he's going to teach them and coach them up and be on top of these guys, and I think that's what they need. They don't have a superstar to get fed up with Tom Thibodeau. Tim, whatever, yeah. Yeah, you got it right. Listen, I know you're awful with names, but you got that one. Um, listen, man, this this was a great weekend for you, pal. I was thinking about it. I was like, he's got his Yanks, and his Knicks get probably the best head coach on the market, and his Jets, you know, just get rid of a toxic safety and and their center for the future. Not too bad for you. Um, yeah, I think that the golf picks the- from last week were in the toilet, but that's okay. Well, well, we'll skip over that one. You know, you can you can delve into that shortly. To me, this was the no-brain hire. And I understand Atkinson, obviously, from a Nets perspective, he was a great player development guy. He turned the culture around. That's important. You know, Jason Kidd, he, he might be the sexier name to recruit free agents. But here's an idea, okay? Just this is going to sound crazy now, so you got to stay with me. Maybe that it's a good idea to actually bring in the best coach when you're a team that doesn't have superstars instead of just trying to get superstars and seeing that fail for the about 11th straight time. Obviously, that was not the case with Fisdale. They didn't get the superstars, and then they found out he couldn't coach. Well, you know what Tom Thibodeau can do? Coach. And if he grinds a couple people down after a year or two, too bad. You know, that's the chance you're willing to take because I can tell you immediately this finally brings respect back to the Knicks coach, you know, the Knicks head coaching position. He's going to make that team immediately one of the better defensive teams. They're going to be a pain in the ass to play every night for every team. And I'm sorry, dude, that's how the Nets got their start and started turning their culture around. That's what Thibodeau did with the Bulls. He turned Derrick Rose into the youngest MVP in, in league history. He was doing that in Minnesota with Butler. He brought that future team to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. And it's not his fault. Cat and Wiggins don't like to work hard, and that explains why those two are in the positions they're in in their NBA careers. For a guy like Barrett, who you're gonna, who's going to be a future cornerstone on this team, for Nino Kina, for Mitch Robb, whomever else you bring in, you got to feel damn good excited about Tom Thibodeau. He's going to make them better players. Absolutely. And by all accounts, the guys on the Knicks, the young guys, like to work hard and they like to grind. So let's see them put some work in in the offseason. I, I don't know if there's going to be fans or not. But come December, I think that's when the NBA is going to start back up. I think they will just be a better team just given the head coach. Let's just do a quick rewind here for the Knicks really since COVID started. You bring in Leon Rose. You bring in World Wide West, and you bring in Tom Thibodeau. If that doesn't set you up for immediate to very, you know, possible success in the short term, I don't know what will. I mean, talk about credibility. It's, it's that's about finally time being that restored. they try. They try and build a franchise around guys who are good at what they do, not good at other things, a la Phil. Not good guys who, oh, LeBron James took a picture with him once. None of this shit where you think you're going to build a superstar franchise just with cap space and no good culture, and they finally put guys in the right positions, and that's how you win. And here's my thing, too. The head coach should not be the reason why you're bringing in superstars. 
That's what a GM and a president of basketball ops oh, And are clearly it to wasn't do. for the Nets because, look, you guys have got KD and Kyrie and your head coach got fired. So they weren't there for Kenny Atkinson. Nope. And as much as I like to think that they work, as part, that is part of what they said. They immediately identified him and said, hey, we don't want to be coached by him, and I don't think he wanted to coach him. But you've got Leon Rose, who has unbelievable connections as a former CAA agent. He knows all the top players. You've got Worldwide West, who's as highly regarded as anybody in the NBA you know, community. And then you've got Tom Thibodeau, who's just known as a winning head coach. I mean, that's three pillars of success set right up for you, and that's as much as I can ever say about the Knicks in about 20 years. Absolutely, and just like you said, let the coach coach and the front office guys do what they do. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, that's about enough on the Knicks. We'll have to see where they wind up in the lottery. You know who I want. Oh, I know who you want. I Let's am just the fourth ball brother. Um, yeah. If they can set up to get him, man, that would be so good. I mean, honestly, that would be – there's a point guard of the future right there staring you in the face, and Nato Kina becomes your, your your backup point guard, which is really what he two. should be. Yeah, or your two. I don't know if he's a good enough shooter to be a two, but, I mean, even if he's your defensive-minded backup point guard, I mean, that's a damn good guy to have coming off the bench or the second unit. Couldn't be more right. All right, let's talk about some teams that are actually playing. Have you been watching bubble games in the NBA? What do you think of it so far? I think it looks a lot more fluid than basketball, but I, I mean, excuse me, than baseball. But I just think that is the sport in general. Baseball, I think you need more fans. You see a lot of foul balls and shit, and it just looks awkward being hit into the abyss. Whereas basketball, they put a new rail camera thing in. I thought that was a pretty cool angle. And. It's just good to see everybody back, and I watched um, a couple of vlogs on YouTube of the process of the bubble and checking in and stuff, and basketball seems to have this shit locked down tight, unless your name is Lou Williams. Hey, man, those are the best chicken fingers a strip club has to offer. I know, right? And then he comes back at Kendrick Perkins and says, I was just trying to get some wings. It's like, you know, we're the I, listen, I've never been to Atlanta, and I've never been to a strip club in Atlanta, but do you really have to get wings from there? Could you have not have oh, gotten, sure. could you have not have gotten takeout from a wing stop or a Buffalo Wild Wings or a local spot? No, I'm not right. Man, he was going for the two for one special. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, it, it's just absurd. I mean, I've heard Lou Williams is a great guy by all accounts, but silly mistake um probably shouldn't be out with celebrities that have instagram profiles as well that can prove you were there uh, i believe he was out with jack harlow which is the guy that made that what's poppin song um and that's kind of what blew him up in the first place but he's gonna quarantine and he'll be back after what two games and the clippers already have a playoff spot locked in so whatever yeah he probably said this is my best chance to finally go do this yeah and he took but advantage I of it Oh, he sure did. Good for him. Um, but, yeah, man, I really like what the NBA has done optically because, you know what, they understood that this is a TV show, right? And they made it like a TV show. The graphics are great. The effects are great. The court is fine. I like the giant Black Lives Matter across the middle. I like the polos that the coaches are wearing. You know, coach for, uh, I think it says, social justice. And, yeah, the rail cam's great. I, I think it looks awesome, and it's you you don't even think of that it's you know being played with no fans. It, it's got everything. The NBA obviously put a shit ton of thought into it. The benches, the socially distanced benches, are great. 
I've had a really fun time watching the three Nets scrimmages, watching a couple other ones. I watched uh, Lakers Magic the other day. I watched uh, Rockets um, Rockets Memphis last night. I've had a great time watching these games. Yeah, man. The The thing I find most interesting so far is how many basketballs are the Lakers going to use? They have J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters. All they have to do is sign Jordan Crawford and uh, Swaggy P, and they can just have the all-time <laughs> heat check bench. We need Swaggy P in this bubble. We had Michael Beasley for a hot second. Now we definitely need Swaggy P. They were working well together, though. I mean, I believe J.R. Smith in the most recent scrimmage had 20 and Waiters had 18. I'm really excited for that. Who do you think is best positioned to win this thing now that we're here? The Clippers. Yeah. I think the Clippers could go play basketball in any playground in the country, in the world, and be the best team. I think it's going to come down to the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. Although Ben Simmons is shooting threes now. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it in a real game. He's been saying that forever. I like him at the four, though. I think that's a pretty cool experiment that they're working with. Uh you know, get a little bit more ball movement and stop having it so clogged up in the middle. I'm I'm with you. I, I was I was going to say the Lakers for the longest time. After hearing Paul George say this is the healthiest he's been in two years, I mean, the depth of this team, the defense of this team, I think that they're more equipped to go down here and play. Like you said, they, they could play anywhere. And uh, I think they're the one. When most they do get Lou Will back, that, that – that pick and roll of Lou Will and um, what's the big man's name? Um, Mar- yeah, Hazard- Harold. Ha- Harold. Oh, Montrez Harold. Harold. Yeah. I mean, that is a lethal combo that could start on most team, most teams, and you got that coming off the bench. Not to mention the big guys that they have with Kawhi and uh, and Paul George. I just think they're the best team. And then you have a little defense and a little fight, a little feistiness with Pat Bev. I mean, this is why we like them so much in. The, all the way back in October when we did our predictions. which seems, I believe I picked them to win the finals. Yeah, I think we both did. Uh, we didn't have so – I know I didn't ago. have them winning the West, dude, so long ago. I didn't have them winning the West because, you know, load management and all that shit. Who cares? But now that we're finally here, I really like their chances to, to just do the damage. I still – as great as Giannis is, Middleton is the number two. Eh, it still doesn't do it for me. Yeah, and I believe Bledsoe's not playing for them. I haven't seen that, but that could very well be. I'll, I'll take your word for that. He's Bledsoe's an integral not playing, piece. that hurts. Say that again? He, I mean, it's an integral piece for them as well. That's a defensive player and a guy that can get you 15 a night, a couple assists. I don't think the Bucks are, are going to be as great as, as – I think Giannis is going to be great, but I don't think they're with this layoff they're going to be as good of a team. I think that the Clippers are destined to win this whole thing. If Bledsoe is out, that sucks. Cause he, was, he was having the best year of his career this year. Yeah, he definitely was, and I just think I think Kawhi is going to cement himself as a top 15 player. All time, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, I mean, yeah, you, if you win, win three finals and possible finals MVP on three different teams, uh, that's pretty good. And Eric Bledsoe is coming back. He is coming back? Okay, well, that's big. because He has COVID. Say, okay, so that because if they lost, if they lost him for good, that really, that really sucks. I'm looking for the Raptors to win the Eastern Conference. I still love the Raptors. Yeah, that's an interesting pick as well. They did a lot for me, you know, when the, before the season broke to to make me think that they could outlast a team like Milwaukee in a best of seven, especially since they did it last year. I know 
the big the I don't big missing sleep on piece Kemba there is and the Celtics either. No, uh, the Celtics to me are still interesting. I I can't put them there. They just feel like they're. I feel I like them better than Philly, though. I'll tell you that. I think Tatum is the linchpin. I think if he plays as well as he was trending towards, and he steps up to that next level, they could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and even win. Oh, it, it, that's that's very likely. I mean, they have the personnel to do it. I, I I still don't know what to make of this team. I still don't know if Kemba. The problem is, is I don't know if he can play Kemba in the crunch time. Well, yeah, you know, he's, he's also he's got a knee thing. It might be arthritis, and then you have Gordon Hayward, who was playing excellent, possible All Star level until he broke his hand. We'll have to see what he is when he comes back as well. As much as I like Tatum and Brown, it's gonna be hard for them to get past what Toronto is, especially defensively. And, you know, none of them are better than Giannis. No, never. So, so I, I, that's my only trepidation with Boston. But if they do get hot and they play well and they catch a couple breaks, you never know. I mean, they so certainly have let's the talent line up to be the, there. Let's line up the finals here because we don't have to go through the whole playoff seating because we already did that. So let's just line up the finals. For me, I got the Clips and I have Milwaukee still making it into the finals, and then I have the Clippers winning in a landslide. What do you say? I see Clippers over Toronto. I think the Clippers are going to go through a battle, though, with LeBron. Oh, well, we knew, we knew that was going to be set up, you know, before the first season he ever even started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, LeBron, LeBron is probably going to win MVP. Uh, if not, he might win Defensive Player of the Year. He's been on tour de force. He's not going to let this team go down quietly, and AD is still AD. The rest of that supporting cast just doesn't seem to mesh well, but if anybody can can make it work, it's going to be LeBron. We know yeah, that. I mean, even LeBron not playing in this past scrimmage, he seemed to pull together two of the, the biggest ball hogs I've ever seen in JR and, uh, and Deion Waiters. So we'll have to see how it goes. Oh, I cannot wait to see how it goes, man. We are three nights away from the first two games on TNT on Thursday night, and it's it's going to be great. You're you're not even going to realize they're playing in a bubble. It's it's going to be all out. Just from what I've seen in these scrimmages, these guys care, man. They're going for it. Got to no, be honest, I'm more excited for this than I was to start a baseball. And I still was hyped about baseball. Well, we both were. I mean, I think the cool part about this is you're playing eight regular season games, right? Most teams have eight. And then you know the playoffs are right there because we were so close. I mean, when this season got cut off, we were – in mid-March, and we were a month away from the playoffs. So like, we could feel the postseason coming and the energy with some of those games. I think that Clippers-Lakers game on the Sunday before COVID, that was that was an awesome game at Staples Center. Baseball didn't even get started yet. You know, it's, 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 it's not the same level of anticipation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very excited for this. Oh, for sure. I mean, just to have baseball – to have basketball, to have even hockey. For, for people who like hockey, I mean, that's going right into the postseason, so that's always cool. You got golf, and you got training camp starting. Like, what more do you need? Yeah. You got everything. I'm very excited about golf, as you know. So why don't we talk some golf? How we What are what are we looking at here after uh, the last couple of weeks since we last talked about it? So, yeah, I mean, I got the tour schedule pulled up here. Since the bubbles come back, 
I mean, we've had some interesting winners, whether it be uh, Webb Simpson, and then remember Dustin Johnson went ahead, took the Travelers Championship. I picked him to take that. And then Bryson DeChambeau went out and hit a bunch of cock shots all over the yard and won the Rocket Mortgage. Um, and then following that, we had Colin Morikawa. I, I don't believe I had him in my top picks. I guess I should have. He won the Workday, the workday uh, Charity Open. Um, I think I had... Uh, Bryson was sitting that one out. I believe I had Brooks Kepka, um, and a few other guys. And then after that, we had the Memorial, which John Rahm seemed to be the only top player that could figure it out. I mean, Tiger made the cut just barely due to a Bryson DeChambeau fucking absolute shit show, I believe on the 14th or 15th hole. Um, that course apparently was by far the toughest course they've played so far. Um, the second week. At Merrifield Village, uh, that is um, Jack Nicholas's tournament. He wanted to make the course a little bit tougher, and it was the toughest for Bryson DeChambeau, our boy. And you know what? I got to say, I'm glad there was a little bit of cold water splashed on him because he was being kind of an asshole. He shot a 10 on that hole, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I actually happened to turn it on right as he was on that hole, and he hit it OB and decided not to take a drop. So he took two provisional three woods that he proceeded to hit even further out of bounds on both, on both swings. So then he went over, called an official over and tried to have an argument that he was on the right side of the fence, which all he was going to do was break his wrist, trying to swing through that fucking iron fence and hit the ball. It's not like it was a mesh fence or something. And then the guy said, no, he had an asshole move where he picked up the ball, just said whatever, took a drop, ended up getting a 10. And the, the thing that that helped out was it ended up moving back the cut to plus three, so we got to see Tiger all four days. But what do you look, what do you see from Tiger? Because he was lucky as hell to make the cut, having the cut be what it was. Was it just rustiness? Like, what I, I think it, it was you? more rust because, you know what, fairways and reg, Tiger was great. He was hitting all the fairways and everything. The only thing that really had him struggling, because I think Tiger would have been in the top 25 had he putted a little bit better. And you know that's just going to come with more reps, and Tiger's going to go into the bat cave, and he's going to go work on that. I, th I think Tiger is absolutely fine. I don't think... I think from his press conference and everything with him saying, I hope you guys enjoyed me winning the Masters, it's a lot tougher for him just being his age and the miles on his body. But I think he, I think he's going to be right there competing. I don't know when he's back. I don't think he's playing the WGC this week. Um, I think he'll be back for the PGA Championship on August 6th through 9th, so that may be the next time we see him. But I like Tiger's round. I, I really do. It was more the short game, which obviously can be improved, and Tiger's one of the best putters of all time. It wasn't anything back-wise. His swing didn't look bad. He was hitting the ball flush. It was more the short game. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't sure because I, I didn't watch any of it. But just I was looking following. at the numbers, it didn't look great. But if you actually watch the round, you could see that Tiger just didn't have the putter at all. And these were well, some that, tough greens to handle. Yeah, well, that's what I was interested to get your, your opinion on because you did watch it. And you can you know read between the lines instead of just seeing the scores because to me it was like the easy narrative, right, from somebody that's much more of a casual fan of, oh, well, he hasn't played a meaningful tournament in months, and now he steps in to plays the Memorial on a really tough course. 
with a tough field, and he just wasn't ready, and he was rusty. But that's interesting to hear that it was his short game that fucked him up. Rusty with the putter, and I just think, you know, he's down in Florida practicing at the same course every time on Bermuda grass. You get him up here, the ball's rolling a little bit differently. There was also some weather, and I think that it screwed him up with his putter. But, hey, I, he's definitely going to get that dialed in. Talking about the um, the first tournament that we we most recently spoke about was the Workday Open. Colin Morikara just looked absolute money. Um, the only guy that I had that stuck around was Hideki Matsuyama. I believe he finished in the top ten. Two other guys missed the cut that I picked, uh, Matthew Wolf and I think Cam Champ. Um, and then I, I think Brooks Kepka ended up withdrawing. Uh, he's got a little bit of knee trouble. He had an MRI, but I think it came back negative. But Morikawa, all I have to say about Morikawa is multiple people have said the only person who they've seen hit irons more flush and better and more pure is Tiger Woods. Well, you're being comp to one of the top three of all time, so that's not too bad. Yep. And then moving on to the Memorial Tournament, I mean, it just ate this entire field up. It made DeChambeau look like an idiot, which I'm happy about because, you know, you didn't have to see the big bopping because um, Jack Nicholas just kind of put a stop to that and made it much more difficult. John Rahm, who's top 10 in the world, went out and took this one. And this is a great young player. I believe he's only 26 years old. And he's won a couple of majors. And he just ate this course for breakfast. I mean, long game, he was right in the middle of the fairway, and then the wedges and the putter really helped him out. And, you know, he had he had a really good front nine, shaky back nine on Sunday, but he had enough of a cushion to where he, um, he didn't need it. And then moving right on to the 3M Open, Michael Thompson, who's a guy that nobody's heard of, just had the, re- the week of his life, the four days of his life. But a guy in the last two rounds where I'm looking for him to put four rounds together, that should be good, and he's going to be in the WGC this week. One of my favorite players on tour is Tony Finau. He's really figuring it out. I saw an Instagram video where he had 200-plus um, club head speed, basically calling out Bryson DeChambeau, saying you're not the only one. But this guy's also got some touch, and he talked about trying to put those two together, and this might be the week where he does it. So looking forward to this week, why don't you give us our, uh, your foursome here that you're looking out for the most? Absolutely. So my first guy, I'm just going to go John Rahm. I'm going to go with the hot hand. I'm going to add him to my foursome. Um, I think that he is playing excellent, and he may win all the $15 million from the FedEx Cup Championship this year the way he's playing. My second guy is Tony Finau. He led the Memorial and the 3M through the first two rounds, and then he started to fall back. I think if he can put four good rounds together, he can end up getting his second PGA Tour win and really running away with it this week. Uh, Two other guys I got is Brooks Kepka. I'm going to throw him in there again just because he's one of the top ten players in the world, and I think he needs to get a top six finish or better to qualify for the FedEx Cup. And that Do you know if he's playing for sure? Yeah, I have him right here as playing. Okay. Um, he had an MRI on his knee. Supposedly everything came back all right. Um, but I, I believe that he's going to put the pedal to the metal this week because, I mean, you want to be in it for that 15 milli. And, and it's just a pride thing as well. I mean, you know me. I always love to get a chance to see Brooks play. So yeah, that's Brooks, good that he's that's I mean, good that he's healthy and ready to go. He he looked hot in his in the last. Um, he only played the final round of the workday, but then he withdrew from um, from the 3M, and he didn't look good at Merrifield. I don't think he made the cut, but 
And then my final guy, I guess I can throw you a rando here since I'm used to doing that, right? Yeah, man, go for it. I'm always giving you a random, so I'll give you one at, let's see, I don't want to make it too crazy. I'll give you one at 100 to 1, Bubba oh, Watson. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Bubba Watson. All Bubba right. Watson, big lefty. He can hit the ball far. He's been playing a lot of golf, and he's been playing pretty well lately. So I, I got Bubba Watson as my fourth, so that gives me Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, John Rahm, and Bubba Watson in no specific order. If I were to give you a favorite, it would be Tony Finau. Based off of the way you were talking about how he's been playing and, and the kind of game he, he's been shooting, I'm all for that. Uh, looking forward to seeing those four guys in the, on the leaderboard. I probably will not be watching any of it, but you know I'll be checking it amidst all the rest of the sports going on. Yeah, keep And track, looking forward to checking track. in with you next week. Oh, yeah, no doubt, man. I, I, like, I like you giving your forcing here because, you know, for people listening who aren't golf fans or aren't avid golf fans, but you're looking for something else to pay attention to, or maybe you're trying to get into golf and you just don't know how to do it, pay attention to some names. Follow some guys on tour. The tour is a lot of fun. We know that. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And kind of dial into a couple of styles of play that these guys possess because there's a lot of different ones out there. Yeah, and pay attention to uh, Wednesdays and Tuesdays as well. I know the tournaments start on Thursdays, but they're doing a lot of fun charity tournaments with some of the former winners of the tournament that played last week. Matthew Wolf, um, Tommy Fleetwood, and two other guys, their names deceived me, played a little scramble match. Um, it wasn't for winning or anything. It was all for charity, but it was a lot of fun to watch. The guys were mic'd up. Uh, I know they've been doing that almost every single week. Week before that at Merrifield, um, Bubba Watson was involved with, uh, I believe, Tony Finau and a few other players doing something for fun. So, you know, they're raising money for charity. They're playing a little extra golf and a little extra time to watch these guys and get to know them and see their personalities a little bit. Love it, man. So we're talking about the professionals. How's your golf game treat? You been able to get out there at all? Yeah, um, actually, I played yesterday. Um, it was it was a hot one. Um, I, I've been playing a little bit um, yesterday. Played a little, um, played a little two-man match, me and my friend against two of my other friends, and I ended up sinking a about a forty-footer for the win on the 18th hole. So you know that felt good. And no then, big uh, deal. No big deal at all. And obviously we were drinking a little bit. The the swing wow. juice was flowing. And then they were like, "Hey, you want to go out and play another 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 go round?" We had already played a full 18. And I I was I was like, "No, I got my win. I'm I'm ready to get out of here. I I feel like shit." And then we went out and we played again, and we got through about five holes and turned around. Um, I was dead, but first couple, but the first round of golf, and then the round I played on Saturday. I've been hitting the ball flush, um, working on a few things with my swing. But hey, I'm playing better golf than I was last year, so that's all I can. That's all I can take. Progress, baby, progress. All about growth. Absolutely, the putter is hot lately. I just have to say that. I mean, if you're draining fucking 40-footers on 18, I'd say so. Yeah, man, that got us a big-time win against my friends. We didn't put any money on it, just bragging rights. The day before, my friend and I did lose to two other friends of mine, and that was for dinner. So um, that one kind of sucked. I, I was also bullshit because we played the deciding hole we played because we were tied through 18. We had to play a 19th hole. We went up to a random part three and it was pitch blackout. <laughs> and of course awesome. I said, and of course I said, Oh, you know, we'll just all take swings from the tee box. If somebody hits the green, um, we'll play it out. And I hit the green and I ended up three putting. So 
All right. Well, I'll tell you, I did get a little golf fix in this weekend because it's the 40th anniversary of Caddyshack, and that was on Saturday on one of the channels is uh, the Yanks were getting blown out. So I got to watch that. And, hey, man, it's, it's timeless. If any, if your shot was like Danny Newton's on 18 to win the final hole there, then, you know, all you needed was, you know, all you needed was the, was the uh, gopher to come on out afterwards. Yeah, man. I'm glad you watched a little golf. I'll have to get you out there on the links one of these days. It's a lot of fun. One of these days. i got a lot of people pushing me to play. I've got a lot of people pushing me to play. Why not, man? Haven't, haven't, haven't made that plunge yet. But You'd go, Golf does not have to cost you a lot of money. You can get a set for cheap to start out. You don't have to do anything crazy until I drag you to dicks and make you drop a G on it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's some cheap courses out there. We're gonna, I'm going to get you out there one of these days. We'll keep that in mind. Absolutely, man. Uh, well, speaking, but good to hear that. Yes, good absolutely. Hear you had a good time. And speaking of the Yankees sucking, let's talk about some MLB. They did take two out of the three from the Nationals. Um, first game, anticlimactic, I guess. I was super excited for that game. Stanton put on an absolute laser show, 460-foot bomb, and Cole looked pretty dominant. I mean, the only thing with Cole is he's going to give up a couple home runs. That's what I tell everybody. You're going to have to live with the few home runs that he gives up because he's going to go out there and he's going to dominate. Here's the thing with Cole, man. He goes out there and he gives up solo shots. He's not giving up those two-out, three-run shots that just cripple you. You know, no, I mean, he gets out of it. And he didn't have his best stuff. You know, he even admitted after the game that he was really fired up and geeked up. And this is a guy who pitched in the World Series last year. And, you know, he was just so ready to go. And you could see his location was a little off. But even with some missed spots and his location being spotty. The guy just knows how to fucking pitch. And even in throwing 99 with that wipeout slider, dude knows how to pitch. And that's what's so awesome about him. It reminds me so much of CeCe in 09 because at that point, CeCe really was the pitcher. He wasn't the thrower. He wasn't Cleveland. And he was pitching with 96, 97 and wipeout breaking stuff. Even if your location's not great, you can still go out there and dominate. Yeah, and then on the other side of the coin, I mean, through through the three games they've played, their big boppers have been tearing the cover off the ball. Aaron Judge is spraying doubles all over the place. Obviously, Stanton's got a couple home runs over under his belt. And then Glaber's got one as well. Glaber yesterday was huge. And this is what I think makes this lineup so absolutely deadly. I do have to is. say this before I interrupt you. Before, yeah. uh, before you go on, I'm going to interrupt you. I did get a FaceTime from Will Smith today. He had to remind me that Gary Sanchez is 0 for 13 and that Wilson Contreras is 5 for 10 or something. Yeah, okay. So he likes giving three-game sample sizes. He said, I know it's only three games in. And I said, listen, I said, would would the Yankees trade straight up Contreras for for, – for Gary Sanchez, and he said no, and I said that's it, end all be all. I mean, I'm in it for the potential. Wilson Contreras may be better defensively, and he might hit 20 home runs, but Gary Sanchez could hit you 50. And then he came back at me with that Acuna shit, and I said I would trade Aaron Judge for Ronald Acuna today. I picked him to win MVP. He's only 22 years old, and Judge is 28. End of story, for me at least. You know I'm half and half with you on that. So we're not going to go into those. No, I'm, I, again, listen, but. everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I'm sticking to my guns. He thought he was going to go ahead and change my mind. And I said, no, 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 he's not going to change your mind. He just wants to stick it to you because he's got a little bit of sample. That's fine. I love him. Right. I love him to death. He's one of my best friends. I love my cousin, but listen, and I, I he's, that's a classic Cowboys fan. That's like him going, going ape shit after two weeks of the season. 
In it's football. like after the Cowboys beat the Giants and Redskins, and he talks about how great they are. Or yep. Washington football team now. You yep. know, like, he wants to on, toot his own horn. Just relax. But, yeah, man, I mean, this is what happens with Glaber batting third when I love him in that room, especially with Lemayu back now, lead him off, is that you, you can't relax. And we saw the Nationals yesterday. I mean, Doolittle almost gave up. He gave up a rocket to judge. And it went right to the left fielder. And then it's like, oh, fuck, but Stanton's up next. And then Glaber comes in and just ropes a single to left center. That was after he hit the home run. It really changed momentum because Corbin was just making the Yankees look silly. He was dominating, and that slider was wipeout yesterday. It looked like the Yankees weren't even going to get a hit for a while. But they went bullpen day yesterday. Bullpen day was great. Well, Isaacville was, was dominant. Hale pitched okay. And then you had, you know, you were able to go into Adovini and Canley, who looked great, and Britain to close it out, even though they got a little sweaty. Glaber's defense a little spotty, but, you know, again, this is the first time he's playing shortstop exclusively. He played short a little in the beginning of last year, but he was really a second baseman the first two years. The potential on this team is great. I can't wait for them to get back out on the field. It really sucked today because you were hoping to carry that momentum uh, over into Philly who had a little bit of a tough weekend with Miami. Miami was giving them problems, even though they were missing a good part of their team. I like this Yankee team. I know we know that. We both picked them to win the World Series, but to see them in action, the only downside about this weekend was James Paxton. He was awful on Saturday night. That's that's your number two starter. I didn't like that he was throwing 91-92. He was constantly 95-96-97 last year. What's up with that, man? He said he just didn't feel right, and he cleared that up and said mechanically, not injury-wise. But, mm. you know, on a hot summer night, you got to be throwing the ball at 96-97. You know, you're not coming up to New York or D.C. in, in early April. you got to let that thing fly. So I don't like that. I'll be looking forward to his next start to hopefully see that velo go up because he wasn't fooling anybody. He couldn't throw the ball over the plate. Same thing with Otani over in, uh, in Anaheim. He's only throwing Oh, my 92. God. Oh, my God. His ERA is infinity right now, dude. He's, that's, he put, gave a full run without getting it out in the first inning. That's brutal. But, again, you know, these pitchers, I know they, they've kept their arms in shape, I think, but it's so different facing live hitters from other teams that are ready to get you and come out swinging. And, you know, hopefully Paxton turns that around. So back to the Yankees, though, I want to talk a little more lineup. I'd like to see Sanchez get moved to the fourth spot. Because I think Stanton's going to hit regardless of where you put him. I want to put him fifth. Get Sanchez a little, a couple more fastballs, a little more protection. Get his bat going. And then the other thing is, I want to see Andahar play a little bit more. I mean, I, I know that they don't really have a place for him, but I think you can slide Brett Gardner over to that bench position, or maybe even stick him at first. Because I really don't like what I'm seeing from Voight so far this year. I know we already said it's only we're only three games in. Well, Voight hit the big home run yesterday, so that's good. I hear your point on Andar. I think a lot of people want to see him play because of what he did in 18. He's a natural hitter. We know that. What I want to, what I want to say in regards to Andar, because he's part of this equation, is the Yankees demoting Frazier again. And, you know, it, it's, it's just one of these things. It's not going to work out with him because he's not a good enough outfielder where he's going to be able to justify having a position over a guy like Talkman. And let's face it, man, you weren't able to keep your roster spot to a guy that doesn't have a position and was playing his first game as a converted third baseman out in left field yesterday. Listen, if, I mean, you, if, hit, that if you hit, you're going to play, and Andahar's a natural hitter. The only thing I'm upset about with my guy, Clint Frazier, because you know I'm going to go to the death with him, is that not only are they r- ruining his spot on the team, they're ruining his trade stock now. 
we've been saying this for three years. Like, I honestly don't understand why they won't just finally cut the cord with him and get what you can from him or use him in a trade package or maybe he's not the headliner anymore, but he's the second guy. Because it's clear that it's not going to work. There's too many guys. Because even next year, with Gardner gone, or later into this season, if Gardner gets really moved to the fourth yeah, outfield, you're still going to play Talkman more. You're still going to play Andahar more. Their mind's been made up with that. And if they take Roy out of first base, they're going to do it for Mike Ford, who they also love and is on this team, and you need his big lefty bat in there as a change of pace sometimes. I like your thought with Gary at four, though. I, when you first said it, I was like, no way. I mean, you want Stanton hitting cleanup. He's your best power hitter. But, you know, maybe for a game or two that gets him right. I mean, you're still going to have plenty of coverage with Voight hitting six or Hicks hitting six for Stanton. So, I, I don't know, man. It's not the worst idea I've heard. I can't see them doing it, but Gary's got to get going. There's no question about it. Just get his back going. Jump start it a little bit. Put him somewhere where he can see some fastballs. Because once he starts yeah. to hit the ball and get comfortable, then the off-speed stuff, he'll start taking that either the other way or he'll start being able to time it right. You know, I do like him behind the dish. I don't think he's had too many pass balls this year that were on him. Yeah, he had a huge play yesterday throwing out Bonifacio at third. Well, we know he's got an absolute hose. Oh, absolutely. But that's why you got to love him behind the plate. And remember, since we're so early into the season, it only takes one game. I mean, up until yesterday, Glaber was hitless. He had the first Yankee hit, a single up the middle. Then he hits the home run to make it 2-1. And then he ended up having the go-ahead RBI single in the eighth. So it takes one game to really turn around how we felt, how we feel about a guy. And I think we're going to be pretty much doing that throughout the season because 60 games, trying to evaluate guys, you know, five games in is going to feel like 30. Yep. And that's just not the reality of how baseball works. All right, going around the league, anything else you saw that you liked? Mets pitching is really awful. Yeah. Um, and we saw Strowman's on the blow. IL. Yeah, we saw Edwin Diaz blow another save on <laughs> Saturday. Classic. Three, two, two outs and gives up a home run. I mean, it's – you used the word basket case uh, on Wednesday's pod when we previewed everything, and he really seems to be with the Mets. It doesn't even matter if it's only cardboard fans out there. He's he's just flammable. Batances looked good. He did uh, not see the mound today. They put in Lugo, and he slammed the door against the Red Sox after a shaky inning from Familia. Yeah, see, that's what we talked about, right? I mean, they're capable of having great performances, but they're just too inconsistent. Cespedes um, is starting to hit the ball. Cespedes hit an absolute moonshot uh, for that one, for their only one run on, on uh, Friday afternoon, opening day, that they won one nothing. DeGrom wasn't still not able to get a win. There's no decision in that one. But Porcello got rocked yesterday. Their pitching still scares the shit out of me, even with some injuries. Looking at us around the league, uh, the Twins offense put on a show in Chicago. Uh, the Brewers Cubs series was pretty fun. The A's looked good. Houston looks good. But Verlander now is shut down for a few weeks with a Fletcher uh, forearm strain. And we know what that usually means, even though he's disputing he's done for the year. That's an elbow injury. Elbow injuries could lead to Tommy John with as many miles as he's had on that arm without ever sustaining a significant injury, this could be the time that finally happened with him having to get ramped up fast. The same thing happened to Corey Kluber yesterday, left the game after one inning. So those were what kind of caught my eye in the early part of the uh, in the early weekend. How about you? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I, I looked up a few articles. Verlander is heavily denying that he'll be out for the year, but 
I mean, until the until the images come back, I guess it's wait and see. Same thing with Kluber. Um, I enjoyed the walk-off home run from Olsen. I think we had a couple extra inning games with the runner on second base. Um, that was interesting to see. But I'm just happy to have baseball back. Again, we talked until we were blue in the face earlier today. Just figure the, figure the COVID protocols out and just tighten it up. If you think it's safe, it's not safe enough, and just make it safer. Perfectly said, man. I really have nothing more to add to that. It was just fun to have it and, you know, to look forward to this week ahead. I mean, the Yankees and Phillies will play at least one or two games, whether they're in New York exclusively or not. I hope we see some double headers, honestly, just because it's like, let's get let's get the schedule back on track and let's not have some games behind. We only have seven days to play with now six. You know, Buster only made a pretty good point in a tweet in a series of tweets today. And I didn't realize it in, in relevance to history, but he said, you know, this is the kind of season where we're going to have some teams play 60, we're going to have some teams play 59, some teams are going to play 58 or 57. And that's what happened in 1981 after after the strike in the second half. Not every team finished with the same amount of games. And the hard part, and why I kind of agree with him, even though it sounds fluky, is this is just the year where we're just going to have to bite our tongue and fucking deal with it. Because... You're not. It's not like a rain delay, or even fucking. I mean, remember three years ago when the hurricane came down and the Rays had to move their games from St. Pete up to City Field, and they were the home team against the Yankees. Well, you can't do that with COVID. That's just not how it works. So you know, you hope that you can get as many games in as you possibly can for the full sixty. But there might come a case where some teams just don't play as many games because of situations, and you're just going to have to work that out. It's uh, it's tough. I think the MLB and the Yankees and Phillies will do everything they can to get every scheduled game in that they're supposed to, whether it's this week or going forward. But Yank Sox this coming weekend in New York, um, that's going to be always be fun. Even if the Red Sox are not the team they were, it, anytime you get Yank Sox in the middle of the summer or weekend, that's a damn good thing. Absolutely. Before we move on to our pop culture, um, MLB, you were right, man. I was wrong. I will blow the whistle. MLB got their shit together with the players' union, and they are extending the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I I wasn't surprised. I when we were doing the pod, I felt like it was going to happen again, just because of the money that they have to make up from losing a hundred a hundred games, a hundred and two games on the season schedule, and that's another reason why they are going to do everything to push forward this year. There's too much money involved. It just is what it is. We knew the risks. They knew the risks. They're going to have to weather the storm through the bad days and embrace the good days. The expanded playoffs is I something that I don't know if I'll love. Uh, it kind of seems participation trophy-esque to me, but in a season where you got to make the money up and nothing makes sense anyway, just fucking give it a shot and go for it. Yeah, man, our predictions stay the same. I guess maybe our third-place team slide in there. Um I guess this gives a better chance for some of those lower-end teams to to participate, and this may affect the trade deadline in the way that they might hold on to some of those players. I'm glad you said that. I had The first thing that came to my mind was I had to shift everything I said on our preview pod about how this is going to be the craziest trade deadline ever because now it will not be. There's going to be some moves made, as there always is, but – the the totality of trying to make tra- like huge moves and shed salary and do that if you're if you're going to get playoff games if you're one of those 16 teams 
you're not going to trade a Matthew Boyd. You're not going to trade a, a Robbie Ray. You're, you're going to keep those guys on your roster unless you get an absolute hole from a team. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Let's hope the Yankees play tomorrow. I don't see it happening, but, hey, crazier shit has happened. Crazier shit has happened. Speaking of crazy shit, if only we could have talked about this last week, but I think it's still more than relevant. The weekend Kanye West had two weekends ago was about as fucking off the deep end as you can get. Yeah, and you know I'm a Kanye guy, and I'll defend him till I'm as am in the I. face. Um, musically, though, musically, musically, uh, and maybe fat and fashion, fashion wise, nothing else. I can't. I've never looked to him to I be think, a beacon of truth. I think the guy just needs some serious help, and I want to leave it at that. I don't really want to make fun of mental illness. I think he had an absolute meltdown, and you know, people that have issues in their lives should keep looking for rock bottom. I think everybody has their own version of rock bottom in their life. I'm just curious if this is his. Um, I just hope that he gets some help. I think he. I mean, he's always he's been diagnosed with bipolar, and he's kind of embraced that. Um, but Dave Chappelle going out to check out on him in Wyoming, making sure he was okay after the weekend he had. I mean, saying that he, he wanted to abort uh, North, uh, you know, just you know, uh, accusing Kim of being a white supremacist and having an affair with Meek Mill and uh, just everything under the sun from his first quote unquote rally. It was it was something to behold. It was uh, a lot of about, stuff you can't take back, you know. It, it was it was about as much of a microcosm of 2020 as you could have. Let's put it that way. Perfect way to put it. I hope he gets help. Um, I will not be voting for him. I don't think he's going to follow through with this. I think his first rally may be his last. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I hope for all of our sakes it and, is. And that's that for me. That's it for me on that one, too. Um, Biden still has not announced a VP. Very important that he does that soon. Uh, I think Trump he will. continues to shoot himself in the foot with everything he says. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm seeing from Trump, I'm seeing a pull out of the election and some health concerns. But he did have a big interview with Barstool where I believe he w- it's full go, full steam ahead for him. Um, Portnoy interviewed him. I am a fan of Portnoy. I don't care about which way he leans politically. I think he's hilarious. Uh, some of the shit he says is terrible. Um, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I can separate a lot of things. I'm an adult. I respect that. I, I'm hit or miss with him. He, he lands some for me. He always has as El Presidente, but he's done a lot of shit that I, and said a lot of shit that I can't in any way, shape, same or page, form. Same page, same page. I agree so, with you there. Um, but yeah, There's I, probably I think... a better interview for Trump than he had with Chris Wallace on Fox News two weekends ago, because that, that did not land well. No, Chris Wallace was like, yeah, that's not true. That's inaccurate. Actually, Mr. President, that didn't happen. And it's like, you know, you can say what you want when he goes on CNBC or uh, or or at CNN. Not that he does. But when that's Fox News doing that interview and you're getting called out by the host because you're just lying out your ass the entire time. That's not that's not ideal. I do think there's starting to be some wavering from even his biggest supporters because I think a lot of people are pissed off that we're continuing to be the laughing stock of the world. Uh, we I'm see telling it with you, our bro, sports. we're going to have he's going to he's going to pull out and say it was due to health concerns and that he would love to serve us as our president for another four years. But his 
heart or whatever just can't take it, and he's just not going to want to lose. Knock on wood, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't care if, if the Republicans can afford withdraws. to do that, though. Yeah, they don't have. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Republicans can afford to let that happen, though. And that's I think I think he knows that. But we'll have to see. I hope to God you're right. I can't take another four years of this. Biden, announce your VP soon. Kamala Harris, I'm all on for that. Um, that's kind of really all we have with, you know, politics. I do, you know, just finish across bringing this back into sports a little bit, is the Black Lives Matter, all of the messages going on in the NBA bubble and the WNBA bubble, uh, in MLS and MLB with the kneeling. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I love it. The Black Lives Matter issued shirts by MLB. Um, I saw the end zones are going to have messages promoting social uh, social justice. Uh, so I like that. But, you know, you just can't continue to have – you can't continue to have the president say how much he hates kneeling and all that. It's It's just insane. Yeah, well, he is too. So why don't we move on to your Taylor Swift album? I have yet to listen to it, but I'm oh, sure you've it. gone cover to cover, my friend. I listened to it uh, Saturday. Um, it's it's labeled under alternative, so that piqued my interest quick. I like it. I mean, there's some duds on there. There's some songs I really can't vibe with that I, I was just like, eh, you know, not didn't land it for me. But uh, she's really just singing uh, over, you know, some beats. It sounds very kind of chill, very like kind of Lana Del Rey-esque, although she's not as good of a singer. But I do like this style for her. Um, it was a cool experiment. Just dropped randomly last Thursday night. A uh, couple bangers and just good music, which we, which we, always, uh, which we always welcome. So, Two new J. Cole songs. He absolutely just flamed the entire record, by the way. What's that? I said there was two new J. Cole songs, and he just shit on the record. Very good. I didn't listen to that. Yeah, I saw, he, I saw how they dropped. Uh, I got to get those a listen. Anything else going on for you in the pop culture world? Uh, have you watched the Jeffrey Epstein docs on, on Netflix yet? Oh, yeah. I ripped through that. Okay, I haven't gotten to them yet. I was talking to a friend about them, and that is going to be next on my list because apparently it is provocative as shit, as you know, having watched it. Am I am I in for any real shocker, surprises, anything like that with the doc? No, the uh, the girlfriend or whatever she was was recently arrested, but I, I don't think there's really any anything that you're going to be shocked by, you're going to be sickened by a lot, but I think you already knew all of it. Another good show on Netflix, it was a three-part series, was one about, um, I think it's called Fear City, about how the mob ran New York City basically in the 70s and 80s. A lot of Rudy Giuliani, I know he's not camera shy, he was in it. Um, pretty good series. Interesting. Okay, so so that's those are two on my list. I'll try to navigate through uh, through sports with those. Other than that, man, really just gearing up, uh, just gearing, gearing up for the return of sports. It's, it's, Did you it's listen awesome. to Gangster Capitalism yet? No, I haven't gotten into Gangster Capitalism yet. No, but it's on, that's on my list too, my man. That's that's on there too. All right, I'll get around to the Taylor Swift. Do you get around to all the assignments I've given you? I like it. Sounds good to me. Yeah, man, so that about wraps it up. Hopefully my golf picks will do well. I'm sure we'll be on next week to see how I did. Maybe I'll get another angry FaceTime from Will Smith. You know, I can only hope for Will Smith to uh, to continue his, his wonderful gloating of after three games. 
I told him, fun. I told him, listen, come on, let us know a day and you can make some predictions and then I'll take an absolute shit on them three days later. I love it. I want to hear him talk about Dak and how uh, his former quarterback coach said that he's absolutely pissed off at Jerry Jones uh, for firing Jason Garrett and he doesn't want to commit long term there, which is why he signed the extension or the uh, franchise tab. Very interesting. Oh, sure. I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Let's hear about how Dak Prescott's going to have another average to slightly above average Kirk Cousins kind of year and uh, then leave the Cowboys. Wow. Strong. Really strong. All right, everybody. That about wraps it up. Hopefully we get some Yankees back soon. Enjoy the rest of the week. Sean, stay safe. Tom, you too, pal. Always a good chat. All right, everybody. Uh